Baptist Church, Charlotte. having a great week. I hope all things are going well for you. Uh, thank you for joining in with us uh, for this time where we uh, talk together about the, the blessings of the Lord, the goodness of the Lord, uh, the scripture, and we are uh, continuing our series on, we've entitled it Celebrate Freedom, and we are talking about real spiritual and psychological and emotional healing, and how does the Spirit of the Lord bring that to fruition in our hearts and in our lives. Uh, I will uh, entitle this Bible study tonight, Heart Damage. This is Celebrate Freedom number five, and we're going to start um, with uh, the Bible study together. Um, let's read our theme scripture. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life. Notice this, for they are life. What are we looking for? We're looking for life and life more abundantly. How do we have access to that? We are recipients of the great promise, which was uh, both the giving of the Lord Jesus Christ as our perfect covering and the gift of the Holy Spirit, the inhabitation of the Spirit in our lives. They are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart. Everything else you do uh, flows flows from that. Um, this passage that we are looking at is uh, really uh, one of the many, many passages of Scripture that warn us about the proper care uh, of our hearts. Um, I want my heart to be right before the Lord. I, I truly do. It's, it's so easy to get it wrong. It's so easy to make errors of the proper care of our hearts and then begin to suffer the real damage that comes to us as people of faith for allowing our heart to take on the attitudes, the philosophies, the ideals of uh, uh, the world around us and thus fail at being a light. Um, our ability to change the world we're in is not predominantly based upon you know, our fantastic personality. It's our ability to share with the world a testimony of how God has changed our heart and then demonstrate through witness to that world the real transformation uh, in our hearts and in our lives. Um, I think one of the most difficult and ugly things to counter is when we as Christians claim to be different. We claim to have had our hearts changed. Uh, we claim to have been transformed by the love of God. But unfortunately, we do not actually demonstrate that through witness to the world. And that is, it's still a witness, it's just the wrong kind of witness. And soon, presenting to the world um, the words of faith, but not the testimony of a transformed heart, um, we become another interest group in a society who is filled with interest groups who all think they know how everyone else should live. And then the world rejects us because although we speak of love, what we really still crave is power. Do you see how this 
um, harms the testimony of of the church. The church was, and I know this is, uh, I risk this being a controversial statement, but I, I think there's something here that is profoundly true. The church is historically most effective when it does not have access to power. And instead, it testifies of its transformation and even its truth through the sacrifice, the giving, whether it's the giving of your life uh, or the uh, caring of others, which is what the church did when they were still under oppression. Uh, the first hospitals were by churches. As soon as you give the church power, the church is tempted to rule the world just like the unbeliever, just like any interest group, just like any king, emperor, congress, or parliament. We are tempted because we understand power. What we do not understand is Christ laying down his life. Um, and so if we, if we get our if we get our claims right, but we get our witness wrong, honestly, I think we harm the work of God. Uh, and what we have to have is uh, the Lord fix in some way that only he understands our lack of a testimony. And so let me say it this way, and I, I say this as sincerely as I can since I started this, this series, I have thought about it um, probably more than any other series I've ever done as far as day trying to think in terms of how can this not just be religious talk? How can this really be something to apply to our hearts and lives? And so let me start out by saying, saying it like this. Um, our words can be a cover and they can be a, a camouflage for what's happening in our heart. Um, as we go to church, we can use church as a camouflage for what is happening in our heart. Um, the signs of that are many. We're gonna talk about some of them today, but we have to continually be placing our heart on the altar, and we have to continually be praying, Lord, soften my heart and transform my, my mind. Let me read one more scripture. This is 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number seven. The Lord does not look at things, at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We quote that a lot. Um, we either celebrate it or explain it away, depending on where you are in your, um, your need to uh, comment on other people's choices. Uh, of course, we look at the outward appearance. Of course. Why? Because that's all we can see. Um, that's all we can see. The Bible teaches that much less knowing other people's heart, we struggle to know our own heart. And the Bible tells us our heart is uh, very devious and deceptive, and it will lead us astray. Even when we do good, if we're not careful, our heart has a motivation beneath the professed motivation. And so we must have, we must have a sensitivity to the fact that God sees the whole man or woman, not just the face we present to the world. Um, and it's in our heart where real Christianity uh, is formed, and then we live it out day by uh, day by day. So, if the issue for us is is real transformation of our heart, and again, heart, we're not, of course, speaking literally, but we're speaking about the inner man, the secret self. 
you can think of it as the real you. How does that individual get transformed. I can go to church for many reasons. I, I'm a preacher. I can go to church because it's in my self-interest. Um, you know, uh, I can go to church because it's a career, but that's not the inner man. The inner man is the seeking after God, the person you are in the dark, the person you are when no one's looking, um, the person who you are if you didn't need others and you didn't need money, but you were wholly independent, uh, who is that person? Um, that's the person that has to be transformed. Uh, otherwise, a religion fails in the manner that human rules fail because it becomes a type of outward cultural control. And the church, being a conservative organization, we can err by thinking the value of the church is that conservative cultural influence and control. Um, we pass the law so other people can't do this, 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 and this. Uh, and we fail to see uh, how unless our life testifies of the profound claims we make in Christ, um, then we are a, uh, in many ways, just another interest group looking to get the levers of, of power. So I'm talking about heart damage. The things that damage our heart that keep us from pursuing Christ with innocence, with simple faith, um, that keeps us free from cynicism, that keeps us free from criticism, that keeps us free from comparing ourselves one to another. In fact, in my opinion, I think the most common way uh, that zealous Christians fail is they go to church, but they don't pursue the innocence of a personal walk, personal relationship with God. They go to church and they heap to themselves, even in a religious environment, criticism, cynicism, and comparing themselves one to another. And then they wonder why it feels so hard. Why does it feel so hard uh, to be a Jesus follower? Um, so if we talked about heart damage, the things the world does, uh, more than just the world, it's easy to blame the world as an outsider. The things that we do, we're our own enemy, that we do to ourselves, the first blockage, to use the terminology of heart damage, the first blockage of our hearts that keeps us from living a life of victory and hope, and yes, simplicity, even innocence and faith in God. The first thing that keeps us uh, is here, number one, selfishness. Selfishness damages that innocence of faith and that simplicity in Christ Jesus. James chapter number three, verse number 14 through 16. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. This is such a, I haven't, I haven't thought about this scripture enough. There's some real insight in this scripture. Um, we tend to think in terms of carnality and then spiritual battle, but James puts them together here as if to say, um, when I am envious of others 
and selfish for myself. I live, I'm living in the philosophical, the, the doctrine of devils. This, this is what they understand. This is Lucifer saying, of course Job serves you. You've, you've made a deal with them. He, he, it's in his interest to do it. He doesn't really have a love relationship. What he has is a, um, a frequent flyer miles relationship. You give him benefits. That's the only reason why he does business with you. And James comes here and says, if you har harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it, don't deny it. Such wisdom is not from heaven. It's earthly, it's unspiritual. It's that demonic way of being where you self-serve. Um, every church battle I have ever seen. Now, I was counting up uh, earlier um, as an evangelist how many churches I, were, I was in where they were in the process of having an attempted church split. Uh, in some manner, there's a group, a strong group, usually involves one or two leaders or one or two money people who want the focus of the church, the vision of the church to be somehow different than what the lead pastor in his gifts, abilities, uh, in his uh, calling, um, what he wants. That's usually how it sets up every single time. And I, I, I can remember six um, times where the pa at, I either figured it out or before the revival was over, the pastor told me about an attempted um, rivening, uh, uh, splitting of, of the church that was going on. Every single time, it was um, filled with envy, selfishness, and carnality. Um, there was people wanting something for themselves. If not for themselves, something for their kids. Um, there was a disagreement over who would get to lead a ministry. Uh, there was a, a fight over who would be the, 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 the worship leader or the piano player. Or There was always something like that. Who is going to control, be in charge? And I, I could remember, I counted up six. I'd have to go back down and look at my notes. But um, I, I, if I remember correctly, I had six churches where I, I, f I felt that way. Every single time, um, there was a there was this selfish, uh, self-preferential, what's in it for me, what I want, what I think we should do every single time. And if I remember correctly, in at least four of those, um, I called for uh, early prayer for the church. And every day of revival, we would have 6 a.m. prayer at the church. None of the people who were mad would come because uh, they didn't want to pray together. They, they wanted their way. Um, the first blockage of the heart here that we're talking about is uh, this selfish envy, this self-serve way of serving God. Um, even Lucifer understands self-serve religion because that's the kind uh, he prefers. Let's look at the second blockage, a second source of damage in our hearts. And this is bitterness, some sort uh, some sort of bitterness. Uh, Luke 17, verse number one. Then Jesus said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. In other words, there's no way you're going to serve me and not have an opportunity for offense. Um, there's no way you can be a leader in this kingdom and not be offended. Um, let's look at Proverbs 18, 19. A brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city. Disputes are like the barred gates 
of a citadel. And so we have selfishness as what damages our hearts. We have bitterness as one of the things that damages our heart. Let's look at the third thing here. This is rejection. Rejection is so painful. Um, uh, Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.